welcome to the Broadcast Storm, episode number 88, Introduction to First Hop Redundancy Protocols, or FHRPs. Hey everybody, this is Kevin Wallace, and in this episode of the Broadcast Storm, we want to talk about the three major first hop redundancy protocols we have available on our Cisco gear. And when I say Cisco gear, I'm talking about multi-layer switches or Cisco routers. And the big three are HSRP, VRRP, and GLBP. Before we start getting into what each one of those are, let's take an overview of what an FHRP is, why we need it. Think about your PC or your laptop. When it goes out after it boots up and gets IP address information from a DHCP server, the DHCP server says, hey, here's your IP address, here's your subnet mask, your DNS server, your WIN server, and your default gateway. Well, that default gateway is your device's gateway out to the rest of the world. If that IP address is not available, you're not going anywhere except on your local subnet. So to add some redundancy, what we can do is run a first hop redundancy protocol. We're adding redundancy for our default gateway. Now, I know what you might be thinking. Well, in my Microsoft Windows configuration, I can specify more than one default gateway. Yeah, how's that working for you? Have you ever tried that? Have you ever shut down your main gateway to see what the failover time is, if it fails over at all? Doesn't work very well. We need something that's going to be more transparent to the end system. Now, I'll admit things are better with IP version 6. The failover can happen automatically, but it's still not great. It still takes a while. We want to fail over very, very quickly. So even with IP version 6 networks, I recommend that we have some sort of first-hop redundancy protocol. So if our primary multi-layer switch or router that gets us out to the rest of the world goes down, we have an alternate way to get out. And there are three options available on our Cisco gear. And the first one is a Cisco proprietary option. It's HSRP which stands for Hot Standby Router Protocol. And here we can have a couple of routers. One is considered to be the active router. It's actively forwarding packets out to the internet or the rest of the world. It's forwarding packets off of our subnet. And the other router that's just waiting for the active router to fail, it's called the standby router. And the standby router is able to start servicing not only the IP address of our default gateway, but the MAC address. Remember when your PC boots up and it wants to go out to the rest of the world. It knows the default gateway. The DHCP server said, hey, here's your default gateway. But what do we have to do? We have to ARP. We have to send out an address resolution protocol broadcast to say, what's the MAC address corresponding to this IP address? And there's going to be a virtual MAC address that's associated with the virtual IP address to which our default gateway is pointing. You see, with HSRP, we might be pointing to a default gateway of 10.1.1.1. But that address of 10.1.1.1, that's not actually assigned as the IP address to a physical interface. It's assigned as a virtual router's IP address. Some people call it a phantom router's IP address. And a router or multi-layer switch, I'm just going to say router instead of saying router or multi-layer switch every time. But a router can have more than one HSRP group defined because maybe we're being a default gateway for more than one subnet. In fact, as a design recommendation, Cisco says, if you've got a couple of routers and they're being the standby and active routers for more than one subnet, you might want to split it up a little bit. Let one router be active for some of the subnets or VLANs and let the other router be active for the other subnets or VLANs. That's going to give you a little bit of load balancing. Now, one of the big questions is, how does the standby router know that the active router is not there anymore? Well, by default, and we probably want to change these defaults, but by default, the active router is going to be sending out 
a multicast hello message every three seconds. And the standby router sees this continual stream of hello messages. And by the way, for HSRP version one, that goes to 224.0.0.2. That's the well-known multicast address that's used. However, after Cisco started using that, they realized, you know, this kind of conflicts with something that Cisco used to use on some of the older Cisco Catalyst switches for multicasting called CGMP. That allowed a Catalyst switch to realize that a particular host connected to the switch had joined a particular multicast group. So in version 2 of HSRP, there's a different multicast address used. It's 224.0.0.102. But back to our story. We're sending out hello messages every three seconds. And as long as the standby router continues to get those hello messages, it knows that, hey, the active router is actively forwarding packets. I don't need to do anything right now. But what if one of those hello messages gets dropped? Well, just one drop packet's not going to trigger anything. But if there is a sustained period where we don't hear anything from the active router, the standby router is going to say, I think the active router is down. I need to start transitioning to the role of an active router for this HSRP group. And it does. And the time that it waits to hear a hello message before it says, I think the active router is down, it's going to wait by default for 10 seconds. Now, that's quite some time in today's modern networks to fail over. So what you can do is reduce those times. Now, we're not going to get into syntax in this audio podcast. That would be a bit difficult to visualize. There are so many commands in play. Just want to give you the theory here in this introductory podcast episode. But what we can do is go in and change the timers for an HSRP group. And when you're looking at the timers, you're going to see that, oh, you can have millisecond timers. You could have a hello timer on the order of something like 300 milliseconds. And you might have the whole time timer, the time that the standby router waits for hello, you might have the whole time timer set to one second. But there is a guideline. The guideline Cisco gives us is the whole time must be at least three times the hello time. Now, by default, it's a little bit more than three times the hello time. The default hello time is three seconds. The default whole time is 10 seconds. So it's just a bit more than three times the hello time. But when you're setting up your own timers, that's the minimum. The whole time must be at least three times the hello time. And when you're looking at the context-sensitive help and you think, oh, we can just do millisecond timers, even though it shows up in context-sensitive help, it's not really going to work for HSRP version 1. You need to be running HSRP version 2. And you should probably be running that anyway because you have to be running HSRP version 2 if you want to support IP version 6 networks. Now, like I said, this is a Cisco proprietary approach. So all of your devices have to speak HSRP. They need to be Cisco devices. And the IP address that's being used as the default gateway for a subnet, the virtual IP address, that cannot be assigned to a physical interface. Now, we're going to see that that's different with our next first-top redundancy protocol, VRRP. But still talking about HSRP for a moment, let's imagine a situation where the standby router is still getting the hello messages from the active router. No problem. But the active router has actually lost connectivity with the internet. How is that possible? Well, our two HSRP routers, they're on the same subnet. They're connected to the same switch as our client is. And hello messages are flowing fine over that subnet. But our active router has lost connectivity off of another interface going out to the internet. That's not going to stop the hello messages, but suddenly what was the active router is no longer the best candidate to get us out to the internet or to get us off of our subnet. So how do we address a situation like that? Well, HSRP, in fact, all of the three that we're going to be talking about, so we'll just discuss it now, these three first-top redundancy protocols 
can monitor what are called tracking objects. Now, Cisco used to have something called interface tracking, where you could track to see if an interface was in the up state or a down state. Well, that's been replaced now with object tracking. You can still create an object that's going to monitor the state of an interface, but you can also create an object that's going to monitor the metric value of a route appearing in your IP routing table. You can monitor if a route is even in your routing table. You can monitor if you have reachability to somewhere. And you can say that if a particular condition occurs with one of these tracking objects, let's say the metric gets too high for a particular destination network, you can cause your active router to transition to the standby router. Now, how's that possible? Well, the active router is elected based on having the highest priority value. The default priority is 100. So typically when I'm setting this up, the router that I want to be the active router, I'll set its priority to 110. So it'll win that election. But we can have a rule that says, if the metric for this particular network in our IP writing table exceeds a certain threshold, then we want to decrement. We want to reduce our priority by maybe 20. So suddenly, instead of having a priority of 110, we've got a priority of 90. Now the other router, the router that was the standby router, it's got the higher priority and it's going to go active for that HSRP group. Now, by the way, what happens if the formerly active router suddenly has a much more attractive metric to get to the destination network that we're interested in? Can it take its job back as the active router? Well, you might assume so, but it doesn't work that way by default. A router that had been the active router and then it wasn't for whatever reason, it went down, there was some threshold that got exceeded. If it lost its active status, by default, it's not going to regain its active role, even though it should probably have it based on priority. The way we make it take back its active role is to enable a feature called the preempt feature. Now, that's not on by default, so usually on HSRP routers, I will enable the preempt feature, which basically says, if I have the job as the active router and I lose my job, I want to get my old job back if I come back up, if I become the, the best candidate to be the active router. And something that's the best practice with our HSRP configuration is authentication. We don't want somebody introducing a rogue router on the subnet and uh, having a higher priority and then taking over the role as the active router and maybe capturing packets as we go through their router. So it's a good idea to do some authentication. And when you're doing authentication, you're going to see that you can choose between plain text and MD5 hashing. You probably want to choose MD5 hashing. We don't want to be sending an authentication string in plain text across the network. So we'll typically use MD5 hashing for that. Now that's a look at HSRP. Again, it's Cisco proprietary. But what if we have a mixed vendor environment? In a mixed vendor environment, we might use VRRP. That's virtual router redundancy protocol. With VRRP, the terminology changes a little bit. The active router is now called the master router. And the standby router is now called the backup router. But it works essentially the same. A few differences, though. Let's point out the differences. For one thing, it uses a different multicast address to send the hello messages. It's going to use 224.0.0.18. And instead of having a hello interval, it has something called the master advertisement interval, which defaults to one second. Now, there's not a hold time. There's something called the master down interval. And it's not something as simple as saying that the master down interval is just three times the master advertisement interval. It's not that simple. There's a formula that's used to calculate the master down interval. And it's three times the master advertisement interval, 
sort of like the HSRP requirement that the whole time be at least three times the hello time. But in addition to multiplying the master advertisement interval by three, we have to add on a little extra time. And that little extra time is called the skew time. And the skew time, it gets a little bit mathematical here, the skew time, to figure that out, we have to subtract the VRRP priority of this group on this router. We have to subtract that from 256. We then take that value and divide by 256. That's our skew time. And we add that to whatever the product was of three times the master advertisement interval. So we're not going to be directly setting the master down interval. It's going to be calculated based on our master advertisement interval, which again defaults to one second. And a couple of other things that are different with VRRP as compared to HSRP. I said with HSRP, the virtual router's IP address, the default gateway that's being used by our clients, I said that that could not be assigned to a physical interface. Well, with VRRP, it actually can. I don't think there's a huge advantage to doing that, and I rarely set it up that way, but you absolutely can have a physical interface's IP address be your virtual IP address. And if that router goes down, the other router can take over again. The priority works about the same. We have a default priority of 100, so we can set a higher priority on the router that we want to be the master router. And because it is an industry standard, it's described in RFC 3768, we can use VRRP in a mixed vendor environment. And again, like HSRP, we could still do the object tracking. We could still do the authentication like we talked about earlier. And our final option, one of my favorites, is GLBP. That stands for Gateway Load Balancing Protocol. I love this one because instead of having one router do all the work for a VLAN and then having another router just waiting for the, the master or the active router to fail, we can have that router also actively forwarding packets. In fact, we could have a group of as many as four routers for a subnet actively forwarding packets for a single subnet. Now, here's the way that works. We're going to have one router that's called the AVG. That's Active Virtual Gateway. And it's going to be in charge of responding to ARP queries. So when a PC boots up and it says, hey, I want to go out to the rest of the world through this virtual IP address, which, by the way, cannot be the IP address of a physical interface with GLBP, just like HSRP was. This is also Cisco proprietary, by the way. But when a PC boots up and it says, what's the MAC address of my virtual IP address? Well, the active virtual gateway, the AVG, is going to respond with the MAC address of one of the routers that can get it off of the network. And those routers are called AVFs, active virtual forwarders. Now, typically, the AVG the router in charge of responding to ARP queries, it's also a forwarder. It can also get us off of our network. So it's also probably an AVF, an active virtual forwarder, but it's going to respond maybe with its own MAC address the first time. Another PC boots up and it says, hey, what's the MAC address corresponding to this virtual IP address? And this time, the active virtual gateway gives a different answer. It gives the MAC address of another router that can get us off of our subnet. And another PC boots up and it says... What's the MAC address corresponding to my default gateway's IP address? And if we have a third member of this group, then the active virtual gateway is going to respond yet again in a different way. It's going to respond with that third router's MAC address. You see, it's answering the same question differently each time. And then eventually it'll start looping back over and giving out its MAC address and the next router and the next router and so on. But we're, by default, evenly load balancing. We're doing a round-robin approach 
we're giving an even load balancing across all of the routers that can get us off of our local subnet. Now, if we have some particular reason that a host always needs to use a specific router to get off of the subnet, we can do that. You can set up a host dependency where a PC is always going to use a specific router to get off of the subnet. Or maybe one router is a bit more powerful than another router. You want it to handle the bulk of the load. We could set up some weightings such that maybe two-thirds of the traffic will go through router R1 and one-third of the traffic will go through router R2. We could do something like that. And again, like HSRP and VRP, we can do the object tracking and authentication that we talked about. So that's an overview of these first hop redundancy protocols. Again, their purpose in life is to give us more than one physical router that can get us off of our local subnet if our primary router that does that is unavailable. And not only do we have a virtual IP address that we're pointing to, a virtual MAC address is going to be associated with that. And if we have to fail over to a backup router, the MAC address doesn't change. That backup router is going to service the same IP address and the same MAC address. And we had those three options, HSRP, VRRP, and GOBP. Two of those were Cisco proprietary. Those were HSRP and GOBP. With the Cisco proprietary options, we had default hello timers of three seconds and hold time timers of 10 seconds. With those Cisco proprietary options, preemption was not enabled by default. Preemption actually is enabled by default with VRRP. And with the Cisco proprietary options, we cannot have the virtual IP address be the IP address of a physical interface. However, we can with VRRP. So I hope this has been a useful session for you to get a little bit more insight as to what the difference is between these different first-top redundancy protocols that Cisco supports. Thanks a ton for listening, and I look forward to spending time with you again on the next episode of The Broadcast Storm.